So I'm sharing today one of my favorite stories in the whole of the scriptures. And I'm really not sure quite why it is that there's something in this story that captures my heart. But I think it's got something to do with how this reminds us that this relationship with God must manifest itself in this relationship that we share with each other. It reminds us that how we interact, how we develop friendships, how we relate one to another is of vital importance. I don't know about you, but I often find in my life that if relationships are not good this way, one to another, then there's often a struggle this way in our relationship with us and God as well. So as we continue our Exceed series, today we're going to look at this story and see what it tells us about how we can exceed in our friendships, in our relationships. We're talking about what it means to exceed in life, what it means to, to overflow with the, the blessings of God. So often if our relationships aren't right one to another, then it stops the flow of what God needs to give us to exceed. So I'm going to be sharing a story about some remarkable friends that's found in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. As we journey through this story... I want to point out four or five things that I believe we need to build into our friendships and to our relationships if we want to take our relationships to the next level and so that we can exceed in our friendships. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. On one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also all the way from Jerusalem. First thing we need to understand about the context of what's happening here is that as Jesus is getting ready to speak, he's getting ready to address some people who don't want to hear what he has to say. He's getting ready to teach a hostile crowd about what love is and what relationship is, and he's talking to people who don't want to know his love and don't want relationship with him. I'm sure some of you have uh, stood before hostile crowds and you know the awkwardness of that situation. Tina, I'm sure as a teacher and as a principal, you have stood before students and adults who don't want to hear you. I uh, go to a nursing home once a month here in Castleberry and do a little service. And this isn't the nicest nursing home. And nobody wants to be there. And nobody wants to come to the service. 
But all the residents are in wheelchairs, and so they have no choice because the person just pushes them in the room, leaves them, and says, have at it. <laughs> this Monday, I uh, was invited to uh, the Orlando City season kickoff meeting with the players and the staff and the, the owner, and this brand new coach comes in. And he says, um, you don't know me. My name's Coach Oscar. I'm going to be coaching you. We're going to have a great year. As we start, I want Andy to come and pray for us. And this is a secular sports environment. <laughs> and you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> and I walked in the front of the room, and I could tell <laughs> that I was speaking to a hostile crowd. <laughs> And as Jesus starts to speak, he is speaking to people who have come from a long way away to hear what he has to say, not because they want to learn, but because they want to find reason to pick him apart. It's a tough crowd for Jesus. And so I imagine because Jesus has been Jesus and because the story plays out about the importance of relationship, that Jesus tries to befriend these guys. As they walk in, I imagine he gives them a nice warm handshake. Hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And he's greeted with these people with their arms crossed and this um, solemn look on their face. As the story progresses, we see that these folks really were um, anti-Jesus. They didn't want to listen. They didn't want to be friends. And I think the reason that they didn't want to be friends is because they were so into themselves. That was the reason they were there. Not so that they could learn or grow, but they were there because they felt threatened. This person called Jesus was messing up their world. He was messing up the, the holy me in their lives, and they didn't want it. So they wanted to find reason to get rid of him. It's worth noting that friendships can never develop, can never grow, can never go deep, when the thing that we want most from that friendship is something that satisfies us. Does that make sense? If we go into any kind of relationship asking the question, what's in it for me, we are limiting the depth and breadth and influence of that relationship. I don't think it would be too hard to make a point that we have a friendship and a relational uh, problem in our society today. That somewhere we have capped the depth that our relationships can get to because we say, I'm only interested in a friendship to the level that I get something out of it. Our social media is built on that whole premise. And we post things on social media that only present us in a way we want to be seen. And what that does is it puts a cap on our relationship. Because we're saying, I only want you to know me as much as it's helpful to me. It breaks relationship. That's the context that Jesus starts talking and speaking in front of. 
selfish people who are never going to be able to have relationship with him or with anyone else because they're so consumed with themselves. Just a note to give you, if you often have problems in friendships and relationships perpetually, Maybe it's worth not blaming those that you are in relationship with, but having a little look at, look at yourself and saying, hey, what's, what's going on inside here? But in the midst of this circle, there is Jesus. And it says at the end of verse 17, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. Some versions say that he had the power to heal the sick. And as we jump into those words and understand what they mean, he's not just talking about those who are sick physically. He's talking about those who are are sick in all kinds of ways. Physically, emotionally, psychologically, sociologically. Jesus is here to perform a healing, but there's also an emotional and a social healing that's about to take place as well. So Jesus is standing in front of this hostile crowd. And all we know is that God has put something inside of him that is going to help this very, very awkward situation. In the midst of the awkward situation, things get a little more awkward in verse 18. It says, just then, some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. The assumption here is that they were bringing this guy to Jesus because they wanted him healed. You got a room full of cynics, a sick man, and Jesus who has this power inside of him. It is an awkward moment. This man who is paralyzed doesn't have too much going for him, except that he has some friends. Verse 18, just then some men came bringing their friend on a stretcher. One of the first things that this story reminds us of, if we want to exceed in our relationship is that sometimes if we want real deep relationships, we have to care beyond what's convenient. We have to care beyond what's convenient. Let me tell you where I get this. So this is an awkward room. Jesus is there. This man is carried into the room by his friends. These friends obviously care because they're bringing him to Jesus. But to care means that these men have to be inconvenienced. They will be inconvenienced maybe physically. Because this guy was probably heavy. Certainly awkward to to carry. They would have been inconvenienced emotionally. They were hurting for their friend. Now, because this man was paralyzed, people believed in those days that paralyzed people were paralyzed because they had some kind of curse on them. 
So to befriend a paralyzed man didn't reflect well for you socially. It was an inconvenience for them practically. Because by bringing this man, they wouldn't have got there as early as they would have wanted. They would have missed the best seats in the house. However, their concern for his welfare mattered more than the inconvenience that it took. If you want to exceed in your friendships, we have to care for one another even when it's inconvenient to do so. Does that make sense? Now, I don't, I don't know how this, this works for you. I can tell you how it works for me. If someone reaches out, I'm, I'm, I'm determining their, their level of need, the time commitment it's going to take from me, all that kind of stuff. And I almost have this sick equation in my mind that says, is me caring for them worth the cost of caring for them? And I'm ashamed to admit that a lot of the times I say it's just not worth it. That is an ungodly, sinful attitude in me. And it's prevalent in our society. It's a reflection that me is at the center of the, the relationship, right? And relationships don't work that way. If we really want to care for people, if we really want to love people, if we really want to go deep with people, we have to care more than the inconvenience. Because that's what love does. So often we say the price is too great. That person is too much of a jerk. If I hang out with that person, if I do this, it's going to cost me something. And so we choose not to care. But in this very awkward setting, one of the first things that Jesus is reminding us is that if we want real friendship, if we want real relationship, we have to care beyond what is convenient. And then when we do care beyond what's convenient, though, something happens. These friends, it was a hassle for them to bring this man to Jesus. But they did, and something happened. And it was good. They tried to bring him in and set him down before Jesus. So you can imagine a scene, lots of people buzzing around. Jesus is the rock star. He's standing there. These people are late because they've been inconvenienced, because they've had to carry this guy, but they choose to care above inconvenience. And they're late, and they get there, and the crowd is all in front of them. Would have been easy to say, okay, well, we tried. We're out of here. I think it's interesting in the scripture it says that they tried. That they didn't look at the situation and say, no, that's too hard, I'm bailing. They tried. They tried to get their man to Jesus and, and it didn't work, but they didn't quit. They, they kept going. They were faced with some obstacles. But 
rather than running the other way saying, hey, we tried, we're out of here, they turned these obstacles into opportunities so that they could get their friend to see Jesus. If you want to exceed in your relationships, I think one of the first things that we learn is that we must care more than we're inconvenienced. The second thing that's happening here is that we must overcome obstacles to friendship and turn them into opportunities. Again, there are lots of people we meet, right? It's too awkward. They're too annoying. They rub me the wrong way. I tried to be their friend, but it's just too hard. I'm out of here. It's on them, not me now. Followers of Jesus don't stop at the obstacles to relationship. We turn those obstacles into opportunities to push through and build the best kind of friendships. How does that work in the story? Verse 19, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd... They went up to the roof and they lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. That is some pretty heroic friendship right there. They try to get the man to Jesus. That's, that's the goal. They, they wanted to get him actually before Jesus because they wanted Jesus to, to heal him. I think it's quite likely that the, the paralyzed man was just like, hey, I'm, I'm good, leave me alone, this is getting way too awkward. But the friends loved him, maybe more than he loved himself. They tried to bring him to Jesus. It didn't work because the crowd was too big. They couldn't get close because they had to carry the guy. And so some smart guy says, well, how about we kind of go up the side, side of the roof? They would have had to kneel on the flat roof as they were in those days, on their hands and knees, and they would have just started um, scraping away all the branches and leaves and twigs and pieces of wood that were putting that together. Can you imagine the scene? I mean, you thought it was awkward initially, right? When Jesus was talking to people who didn't want to listen, all of a sudden it just gets a whole lot more awkward. It's awkward for the paralyzed man who's been brought there. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm, I, I'm good. You know, this paralyzed life, it's not too bad. Just leave me alone. No, 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 we want you to see Jesus. You can, can imagine the, the landlord or the, the, the homeowner, right? This is his moment of glory. Jesus is a guest in his home, right? His wife had probably been laying out the best china and cleaning the house for, for weeks because Jesus was coming. And so Jesus is kind of teaching in front of this hostile crowd. Then all of a sudden there's this noise up above them, right? And all of a sudden these little pieces of wood and debris start to fall. And Jesus probably tries to keep on teaching, but he can't because everybody's kind of looking up as more and more debris starts to, to fall. The homeowner must be freaking out. I don't know what his wife was doing. He's probably thinking, what do I, what do I put on my insurance papers? <laughs> you know what he should have put? Act of God. Act of God. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Do we have a rim shot or something like <laughs> Right? And, and so the roof is kind of falling in. And you've got these kind of four, I imagine, yahoos who are kind of kneeling on the edge of this hole. 
with a piece of rope on the mat and then lowering this guy before Jesus. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? What's interesting is that what is happening here was that their plan B was actually better than their plan A. Because this guy was right in front of Jesus. He had Jesus' attention. Everybody was watching him, and something had to happen next. This man is before Jesus because he had friends who overcame obstacles and created an opportunity where there wasn't one. If you want to be a good friend, you will experience obstacles in your relationship with the person you're trying to befriend. That's just how it works. But the difference for a follower of Jesus is that when we hit those obstacles, we don't quit. We create opportunities to go deeper, to love our friend well, to bring our friends to Jesus. If we're going to exceed in our relationships, first of all, we have to care beyond what's convenient. Secondly, we have to overcome obstacles to create opportunities. It was awkward before, and now it's really, really awkward. But then something significant happens. Verse 20, check this out. Jesus is looking at a room, still in, still in charge. And it says, seeing their faith, he said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Three, three things that are, that are happening here. First of all, note, this is really, really important. As Jesus is about to heal this man, he doesn't see the faith of this man. He sees the faith of the friends. Seeing their faith, right? That, that, that's not the faith of the guy who's embarrassed on a mat that's just been lowered through the roof. He's seeing the faith and the faces of the friends who are peering through the hole in the roof. And he looks at the guy on the mat, which again, remember, is quite the scandal because this guy is, uh, is paralyzed. Everyone thought he had a curse. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they want nothing to, to do with it. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says, friend. He saw the faith of the friends. And there was something in Jesus that aligned with those friends. So that as he saw this guy, he knew that he wanted to be a friend of this guy here. When Jesus says, friend, that would have changed this man's life. Because most new people who met him did not call him friends. In fact, some of the scribes and Pharisees in the room had called him many things which had little to do with friendship. But Jesus looks at him, this outcast, and says, hey, you're my friend. You know, sometimes it's very easy for us, right, to feel like that vulnerable guy on the mat. We're outcasts. We've messed up. No one likes us. Know that Jesus calls you friend. 
Then he says this strange thing, and it's strange because no one was like even thinking in this way. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Right in that moment, he's inviting faith from the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. Do you believe it? Will you receive it? Can you claim it? Can you own it? It's a very provocative statement as well, as we'll look at in a minute, because it, it, it sets off all the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But the principle I want to pull out here about friendship is that not just do we need to care beyond what's convenient, not only do we need to overcome obstacles to create opportunities, but we need to leverage our faith to help other people find theirs. Does that make sense? That's what happened here. It, it wasn't the paralyzed guy who had the faith in Jesus. It was the friends who were peering through the roof. Well, we live in a world, we're all in relationships with people who don't have faith. But part of what it means to be a good friend is to leverage our faith to inspire and trigger and let God produce faith in them. Does that make sense? One of the best uh, examples of this I know, and she's not here today, is Brian's wife, Laurie. Laurie works at Publix. But she has a heart the size of about five of the aisles there. And she's kind of become like the pastor of Publix. Is that kind of fair to say, Brian? Yes, that's very true. And she kind of jumps in to these crazy situations that are very inconvenient to care, right? And she walks into people whose lives have all kinds of obstacles, and she turns them into opportunities, but something happens in her faith that triggers faith in others. Laurie and I often talk about some of the care projects, she said. And she said, I'm helping this guy uh, move, and it's going to be like uh, $1,000. Um, um, we're going to do it and trust God. I'm like, Laurie, that's incredibly generous. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't do this. And then Laurie will call me a couple of days and said, well, you know, we took care of it, but you'll never guess what. This person came up with 300 bucks, and this person came up with 200 bucks, and it always works out just to the penny because Laurie is leveraging her faith to enact faith in others. Is that fair to say, Brian? Oh, yeah. It, and it's, it's, it's amazing to see. She takes these leaps of faith, and as she takes these leaps of faith, it inspires people around them to find their faith and help too. That's what's happening here. This man receives healing. This relationship goes deeper, not because the guy has faith, but because his friends have faith. You can think of a lot of friends, a lot of relationships that you have where people are struggling right now. And maybe they're struggling in their relationship with God and they're saying, where is God in this? And maybe you see them kind of slipping away from, from faith. But just because they are doesn't mean that you should. In fact, it means that you should cling tighter to your faith because when you're holding on to your faith, it rubs off on them so they can recapture their own faith. Does that make sense? 
That's what good friends do. We care when it's not convenient to do so. We overcome obstacles to create opportunities. We leverage our faith to help others find theirs. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It was a question that no one was asking, but Jesus asks it, one, because he needs the guy to know that he's fully loved and forgiven. But he also says it because he knows it's going to trigger the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees. Next few verses play out like a Saturday night live skit. Or uh, what was that skit back in the day? Who's on first, right? (laughs) This is what it says. The Pharisees were thinking to themselves, who is this man? But Jesus, while they were thinking, was perceiving their thoughts, 22. So Jesus said to them, without being asked, why are you thinking this in your hearts? That's some weird stuff going on right there, right? They're thinking about it. Jesus sees that they're thinking about it. And Jesus addresses what they're thinking before they verbalize what they're thinking. You know, we tend to think there's something spiritual going on there, but I'm not sure there is. Right? We've all been in relationships where we can see what someone's thinking, right? And we can respond to their thinking before they've verbalized it. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And he's put those who came to trap him in a trap. And I love it. I mean, the room would have been awkward because no one wanted to hear Jesus. And then it got even more awkward because this guy was lowered through the roof. But Jesus was still in control. And he turns the awkwardness on those who are trying to cause awkwardness. And he said, what should I do? If they said, well, you should forgive him, they were acknowledging that he was God. If they said, well, you should heal him, they were acknowledging he was God, and that's not what they wanted to do. So the room got even more awkward. Verse 24, But so that you may know the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your stretcher and go home. Immediately, verse 25, he got up before them, picked up what had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. I, 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 I love this scene. Right? I mean, it all happens so quickly, but you got this guy, right? He's sitting on a mat. Maybe it's probably a bit smaller than this, right? He's been lowered through the roof. Everybody's looking at him, right? It's as awkward and tension-filled as you can get. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And just like this, this guy who hasn't walked for years kind of bounces up, right? And I imagine he kind of rolls off his mat, puts it under his arm, and just kind of walks out the room (laughs) as if nothing had happened, right? But something has happened. And as he leaves, he's glorifying God. Verse 26, then everyone was astounded. And they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe. 
And they said, we have seen incredible things today. This passage is in the context of friendship. And I think as this story wraps up, we see a picture of the kind of friendship that God wants us to create. Ones that are filled with awe. Ones that are filled with incredible things. Ones where we feel so loved and so listened to that we're astounded. And I think that's a fourth thing that we need to bring into our relationships if we want to exceed. We need to be quick to celebrate the success of our friends. And while we're doing so, always crediting the Savior for them. You know, I spoke earlier about when relationships are filled with me, we kind of limit them, we kind of cap them. One of those expressions of me in my friendship is, is when I become jealous. But there's nothing but delight for this man. There's nothing but joy for the good things that are happening in him. If we want to be good friends, if we want to be great friends, if we want to be friends who exceed, we must celebrate our friends' successes. Life is hard enough. There is, there's no one following us around with some pom-poms cheering us on, right? The world just doesn't work that way. And so one of our key roles as friends is to be cheerleaders for each other. If your friends can't celebrate your success, then no one else will. So they're sharing in his joy, but as they're sharing in his joy, they're glorifying with God as well. For a friend to get right with God should be our greatest joy. How do we exceed in our friendships? We care beyond what's convenient. We overcome obstacles to create opportunities. We leverage our faith to help people find theirs. And we celebrate their success while crediting the Savior because the best kind of friend we can be is someone who rejoices when our friend comes to know Christ. About a year or so ago, I just told you this story. I was involved uh, with a friend who lied to me. And we had a very difficult conversation. In fact, we had a couple of hundred very difficult conversations. And I felt that she was lying. And I thought that she was lying because the situation just didn't make sense. But she denied that she did. And it came to the point where I just kind of had to walk away and say, okay, the relationship's 
done. You've tried all you can to convince me that things okay. I've tried as best I can to make things okay, but something's not sitting right with me. Broke my heart. Hurt a lot because I cared deeply for this lady. About two weeks ago, I get an email when I was sitting at Starbucks. And it said, Dear Andy, I want you to know that you're right. I was lying. My sin caught up with me and hurt me deeply. I'm going through this period of repentance. And part of that means I need to apologize to you because I've been having trouble getting right with God. And I don't think I can until I get right with you. I read the email and something just kind of welled up inside of me. I quickly pressed reply and said, look, I, I get it. I love you. I forgive you. I want to be your friend. And it brought me joy because this person whose actions had separated them from me and from God had now been restored to me, which was nice, but to God, which was way more important. One of the things that's happening here is that the goal of Christian friendship is to bring each other closer to God, right? And we do so by caring even when it's not convenient, by overcoming obstacles and creating opportunities, by leveraging our faith to, to ignite another's, and by celebrating people's success so that they can credit the Savior. That's a healthy friendship. That's when our relationships are exceeding.